everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. Well, guys, I promised an incredible writer, and I feel like I have really delivered for you guys today because we have got Suzanne Barr here today, who is an exceptional ghostwriter. Exceptional. So I cannot wait to get her a perspective on things. I can't wait to do, let her introduce you guys to the world of ghostwriting and what that means. You all know I've been busy working with a script doctor, so it's lovely to have a different kind of writer in today. And let's let's just have some fun. Suzanne, what do you think? Hey, I'm game for just about anything. Yeah, <laughs> but we game. have to be. We're writers. We have to right. be. I always say that. We all you have to be open for just about anything and everything. And there's nothing off the table, in my opinion, that you can't write about. Or, exactly. you know, make as a character. Exactly. So tell our audience a little bit about what's a ghostwriter, what your responsibilities are, and a little bit about some of your more well-known work that you've been involved in. Well, being a ghostwriter, in my story here, was a kind of a fluke thing. I was writing for a newspaper and magazines, and I owned a bookstore, And while I was doing a book review for a a very well-to-do author, very well-known, I should say, I sent her my book review 
copy, you know, little clip from the actual newspaper back then. This was in the mid-90s. Yeah. And we became friendly, and they had a, a company that had used ghost writers before. And uh, one thing led to another. I became friends with this person, and they asked me would I like a job. And I'm like, okay, what? And she said, would you like to write some of my books? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't know if I can or not. I, you know, I had read this author for years and years and admired her very much, but I wasn't quite sure that I was up to that task. But she said, send me a sample. Do you have any novels that, that I could look at? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So again, I had to mail it via regular good old snail mail to Gosh, her. I remember those days. Yeah, I, I do, know actually, yeah. it was bad. And, a, you know, a manuscript is so thick and everything. But I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do it. And I really didn't think too much of it. And I had been out of town for a week or so on vacation. When I came home, there was this message on my answering machine. It's Suzanne, you have to call me. It's urgent. So I called the gal that I was my friend by this point, and uh, she said, I loved that book. She said, you, your writing is, is excellent. And I said, well, thank you. And, and she said, also, my publisher thinks that is an excellent book as well, and I would like you to come to work for me. We have to you know, get through a little bit of a red tape situation, but would you like to come and work for me? And I'm like, well, sure, you know. I just thought maybe I'd be editing her work or, you know, just maybe giving her some ideas, helping out here and there where I could. But I I was offered to take the whole thing over on my own, write the books about the topics that I wanted to. And I said, well, yeah, who wouldn't? I, I can have all exactly. the fun without the work part of what you know you go out you do book sightings and you know tv magazine appearances and i'm like well i'll be happy to do that since i don't i don't really like getting out there in the public so much as far as book signings go i don't blame you for that i i had to get used to that very quickly in my own career yeah i, well, I just didn't realize like how you, you never realize how much it's going to actually take out of you to go to all these different towns and do all these mm -hmm. talks and oh, go to yeah. colleges. And Nobody ever tells you that. No one, no one ever explains the, the, uh, no, it's, it's, know, the it's, physical part. It's a big, know? big task. It really is. On one of my own books called Fatal Kiss, it's a true crime story, I traveled up to North Carolina where the crimes took place and you know, it was a small town crime, but big news. It was national yep. news, and I, I wrote the book on it, and I was stalked by one of the girls whose brother was put to death in wow. in this story. He received the death penalty, and it was scary. You know, I had to have sheriffs follow me around for a while, but, you know, that's it's just, that's part of it. But that's part of it. Like, I always say, I feel so lucky that I had done my dance career and my acting mm -hmm. stuff before I got into the author business because I feel like almost I got all of the confidence and I always call it the Teflon armor <laughs> where people you know because 
all our stuff gets mud thrown at it. We all know. Oh that. yeah. So like I have this kind of Teflon thing and I'm I'm very careful who I become friends with um, mm-hmm. now in the industry as well. So there's almost like this Teflon you've got to get through to kind of get to know me and not me the personality of the author, but me as the person. Right. And if I hadn't created that, I don't think I'd have lasted as long because I I come from a small town, very judgmental small town. And mm-hmm. the first year I was out, I got trashed and trolled and stalked for the first year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is insane. And of course, now that I'm doing the movie of one mm-hmm. of my books, that's actually slowly starting to come back. And I'm like, yeah. oh, so I feel really glad that I've got that kind of Teflon thing. And I can just almost write to my co-author and be like, I'm having a crap day here because he doesn't get any of this. He's just a wrestler. Yeah. He's used to it. But I get like I get all the the stuff, and then I, I go to him, and I'm like, "This is this is insane." And he's like, "Chill, it's okay. You know, these people don't matter. It's the you know the ones that buys it. That's what matters." And he's so good at that. He's just so good at just taking me down a notch and being like, "It's okay. Trust me, it's okay." Um, so yeah, I mean, it is, it's I tough. It. It's a hard business to be in, in any form as, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, because there's a lot of competition in, in even yeah. in ghostwriting. I mean, I know several ghostwriters myself and it's once, I think once an author finds a good ghostwriter, if, if that's the way they choose to go, then you're lucky. Consider yourself yeah. lucky. So, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's been good to me. I can't say that I haven't enjoyed it. It's allowed me to travel places, research. I bought an airplane for my husband for his birthday, which yeah. he's obsessed with. But uh, <laughs> Don't they all get obsessed with these things, though? Like, you know, yeah. to be honest, my husband's obsessed with motorbikes. So mm. it just seems to be like a... Well, that was his first obsession. Honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. He when he was younger, he rode motorcycles. That he was known in his small town for doing wheelies and crazy uh, stuff on motorcycles. Yeah. And as he, you know, aged, he decided he's been a pilot for like twenty five years. So wow. now his passion is just flying airplanes. And I was afraid to fly, so I had to learn how to fly to overcome my fear of flying. But you know, that's a whole other story yeah. there. But. Yeah, it's it's a tough business to be in right now. And a lot, ever since the pandemic, a lot of people that were once in the office, they're gone. Like yeah, some of the so editors, the gone. junior That's editors. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to do a little more work yourself, I think, on yeah. Like the projects. marketing teams, I've noticed, is just shrunk. Like, oh, yeah. everyone yeah. is shrunk. And I mean, I took on a contract that said I'd put a book out, one book out a month for three years. And I signed this as a, you know, one of a kind publishing deal because Mm -hmm. this little publisher had survived the pandemic and they were looking to centralize their focus on a group of authors. It was so funny because my literacy agent actually mentioned your name to me. He was like, you need to talk to this woman. She's incredible. And about that. <laughs> well, no, he like he sung your praises. Eric Miller sung your praises, and he's because oh, for so oh, long, okay. so long he's been like trying to get me to tell my story to someone, like my actual 
you know, no bullshit story of how I went from being that tiny, sick kid to now writing books that are being made into Hollywood movies. And what was it like to grow up in hospital? What was it like to fight for your life and never know if you're going to make your next birthday and watching your friends Mm -hmm. die and having, because I mean, I got um, what they called uh, survivor's guilt. I had that from like four or five years old. Oh wow! And they didn't, That's they didn't understand it. And they didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So to Eric and particularly my director, who I'm working with now, they're all like, mm-hmm. "You got to sit down and you got to put this into a, a book so that people can right. can hear your story." Because mm-hmm. I've for years worked with um, Islanders, people from the Shetlands, to try and show mm-hmm. them that there's a life outside the islands. But I also have worked with the Athletic Association to say, "Hey, even though we've got arthritis and it's." debilitating as hell you can still go on and do all these other things that you want to do you just need to learn how to work around your obstacles rather than trying yeah. to just oh, absolutely. through mm-hmm. um, and that was how your name came up to me was was Aaron mm-hmm. was like you need to talk to Suzanne because to him this story was it, it made him cry when he read the outline of just my background mm-hmm. he, he said he couldn't get through it without crying and then when i sat down with the director he said the same thing he was like oh wow he's like this is a story so yeah that's how i ended up connecting with you and i thought Mm -hmm. that i had to tell the story on here because i felt like if anyone would get it like especially really traumatic heart-wrenching stories about journey Mm -hmm. and never Mm -hmm. giving up no matter what happened that would be you you know, well, you know, I I have been down many paths of yeah. of life. I've been through a lot of illness myself when I was younger, uh, and I, I still have a very rare blood disorder that's that somewhat like leukemia, only a little worse. If you could yeah. even imagine, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, but um, it hasn't really stopped me from living my life. If anything, having had that past I think you have a little more vigor for life because you don't take it for granted it each day is is important and lucky that you're there or I'm there to to live in the day and you know be a productive person yeah because one thing I noticed when I hit my teens they call it uh the mortality syndrome where you almost get scared that it, you have to cram everything you ever want to do into such a short window. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of realized that all these predictions that these doctors had made was going to be wrong. And then I kind of got comfortable. And then I, about three years ago, I went through another really close call and I'm like, okay, so I do need to live my life to the absolute fullest. So that kind of came right. back. And then, I'd walked away from writing. I was like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Just before the pandemic, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I just need to take a time out, you know, find right. myself again. And the pandemic was like, somebody slapped me in the face and went, no, you're not leaving this industry. You can't leave this industry. Yeah. And I just got pulled right back in. But it, I mean, it's crazy because even the people that I've grown up with, who've grown up watching me grow up, mm-hmm. I said, they've literally just seen this huge transformation they that you know most people would have just quit i mean one of the things that 
that I talked about recently was there was a very small group of us that were on the same rotation in hospital because I lived mm-hmm. in a cancer ward because of the kind of condition I have. So oh, basically, God. my immune system was not allowed to be active. So they kept me in this ward and there's none of us left now. It's just me. Oh my gosh. And they were talking about, you know, talking to the therapist and kind of learning about all the different things that made me quirky, or at least quirky as they called me as a teenager, <laughs> actually made me understand like my ego, why I wanted to be a performer, why I needed to do certain things or why I acted certain ways. And now I can look back and I can almost share that story with people and say, if your kid's doing this, it's because they're suffering from anxiety. But mm-hmm. just obviously, kids don't know how to tell you that, you know? Right. So that was, I think that's why everybody kind of, anyone who's around me says, you know, someday sit down and just work with a ghostwriter and tell your story. You and, right. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. You know, you, you have to know the person and what they want told, how they want it told. And, and it's, yeah. um, a ghostwriter for nonfiction is, is totally different than for fiction, which I do the fiction. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a big task. And even though your name isn't on that book, you, you've put tons oh, no, I would, of... I'd put you on as ghostwritten by. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, a, no. that's a totally different scenario for me. Well, it, you know, it is. It's just, it's a... It, and sometimes, you know, like the books are on the bestseller list. There's one out there now that is... And you yeah. can't, you know, claim that you wrote that book because that's yeah. in your contract to say you can't do that. You can't yeah. reveal this, that you work for A, B, C, and D. And and that's fine. I don't have a big ego in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but I do kind of, I think, have a reputation as being aggressive when I need to be and and sometimes it has paid off and I'm not shy about you know promoting things that I do myself with with I did some work with the ID channel I don't know if you guys get that over there the investigation no, but because I have so many American friends particularly wrestling friends <laughs> which is a whole other story for a whole other day um yeah they tell me a lot about the different networks and different channels yes. And I was yeah. so lucky because growing up, you know, when I wanted to go into writing, I was eight, I was 18. I was looking into it. And at the age of 19, I actually studied under Vince Russo for a while, who was really? a very famous wrestling mm-hmm. writer. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you've heard his name. But I think I have. Yeah. My he's, he's father got a reputation. Yeah, he's got a My reputation. My father-in-law was a huge, huge wrestling fan. I mean, beyond big time. And that He loved it. That was the thing for me as well. I I was this girl, uh, like, I started watching wrestling at four. (laughs) And it it was crazy because we were just a bunch of kids in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. we, most of the time we were hooked up to stuff and we couldn't go anywhere and we couldn't do anything. And so the boys came in and they would come in with like ECW DVDs and tapes, you know, the mm-hmm. old VCR tapes and right. shoot interview tapes and all this sort of stuff. So I, I got sucked into wrestling really young. And then my brother, he, he was five years older than me. He really got into it. So every Monday and Friday night, we would 
you know, trade with the other kids at school to get these VCR <laughs> tapes. Oh my and it's gosh. so weird now that I look back, I've never ever claimed not to be a wrestling fan, but mm-hmm. I look back at my hometown and so many of them will say, I've never watched wrestling. I've never watched wrestling. And I know they did because I well, got tapes off them. <laughs> I think sometimes there's kind of a stigma attached to liking that. And I here in the United States, if you like NASCAR, which it's... It's not my thing, but I have nothing against that or, you know, wrestling. They think you're a redneck or, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you do what you do for yourself and doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or that's kind of my It's funny that you say that because when my, when me and my husband got together, he said, you're a closeted American because I love horse riding. (laughs) I love pickup trucks and I love shotguns Uh, and I love wrestling. uh, And to me, you know, that was just who I am. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm going to get that nickname, then I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to feed off it. I'm going to play into it. Um, Right. Right. it's funny because I look at like one of the people I worked with for a very short period of time was Eric Bischoff because we were going to do a, a reality show together. And I like him a lot. I just mm-hmm. struggled with him because I think it was we were from two very, very, very different worlds and we had two very, very different opinions. But I like him in the regards that he could look at something and see the value in it. And he did mm-hmm. see value in me. So I'm I'm almost now curious to see what his take's going to be when this movie drops. Because he always told me, romance and wrestling does not work. And he always told me, dancing and wrestling don't work. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm the epitome of going from the dance industry, where right. I brought Lepache, which is a beautiful French dance style, back. Mm-hmm. And I brought that to, you know, the clubs here in the UK. And then I went on and I I kind of expanded on it. And I, it's weird because mm-hmm. wrestlers look at what we did on the floor and have a, a unique respect for us because it does have a lot of stage fighting in it. And it does have a lot of, you know, you have to be really choreographed or things right. go wrong. Yes. Um, and I, so, yeah, it's weird. Like, I, I almost am interested now to see how that's going to threads through the industry well, you know in the the i've been in the business a long time probably close to 30 years and i have and i've always been a reader i've always loved books of just about any kind and it, in my experience publishing goes through phases just just yeah. like a person there or a fad you know it's yeah. there was a point when the the male character was a football player, then a police yep. officer, and then just it just went up the ladder to we've we've done that something new, we've done that, we need something new to do differently now. Make him a you know the big rich office guy, and 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 I think at this point now the way the the publishing industry is, I think you can write just about anything, and if it's if it's good and yeah. you've put your heart and your soul into it, I think editors, publishers can see that on your paper, on your screen, whatever, and know. And that stuff, I don't think it matters anymore now. We, we've just kind yeah. of evolved from 
you know, Harlequin romance, and nothing against Harlequin romance. No, I mean, I, I had respect those people a lot. Publishers yeah. in the world. Oh, I do too. But, you know, you it's kind of these formulatic stories that people love. I, I am not a big fan of romantic comedies. I've written several of them. One, and my husband loves them. He loves the Hallmark Channel, the Christmas movies. And I just roll my eyes. But uh, yeah, I, I did too. Know. I got to do Hallmark. <laughs> no, I, it's too stupid for me. And I'm just, you know. And he's like, well, we've been in the industry, stuff. so we can almost tell where the stories are going within the yeah. first five minutes. Well, yeah, you do because there is a formula. I mean, it's like, it's when I read, and I love to read, usually by when I'm a third of the way in the book, whatever it is, I've already got it solved. It pisses me off because it's I'm like. the same way as you, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll damn. suggest some I, I didn't want to know. That, yeah, but yeah. I'll suggest some crime names to you that you will ignore okay. because you will not see it coming. Honestly, okay. I, I have some okay. authors that you'll adore. Good, good. But what I love about you is I love that you're aggressive because you're a lot like me. You're so driven. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's not many of us now in this industry that is as driven as us. Yeah. Because, like, I look at you. You understand Turner Publishing, which, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows uh anybody that knows anything about tv or publishing turner mm-hmm. publishing is also turner media who owns right and tnt mm-hmm. so i always thought it was funny that this company never put together mm-hmm. the romance and the wrestling in one kind of series or books because what people don't realize is there's a shit ton of female wrestling fans now. Like, Oh, I it's know. A I know it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just talking about this the other day where I'm like, I was talking about it with my agent actually, where I'm seeing a lot of more female readers talking to me and saying, do these wrestlers even know what, you know, what sort of attraction they have to me? Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm having to explain to them, no, they don't think about the female audience really at all they're thinking of their stories their characters what they're doing in the ring what they're doing to to push that whole kind of narrative forward they don't right you know, they don't take the time to say well if i get if i get a tattoo that draws my eye down to certain areas will that affect somebody like right but it's not just like that there's all these other sort of little stories that creeps out of like backstage like piercings in places that can't really mm-hmm. be named or you know <laughs> the women talk so the stories come out about well this person's like this or this person's like that right and so many of them will come up to me because they do know i work with joe and they do know mm-hmm. that i have friends in wrestling other friends in wrestling. so they'll come up and they'll ask me questions like well crystal you went down and wrote a wrestling show how, you know, how was it backstage? And I went, I, you know, and most of the time I lie and say, oh, it was great. Mm-hmm. But because you, you protect the industry, whatever industry well, yeah, you're in, sure. you protect the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I laugh because there's almost that insecurity factor I have because uh-huh. I don't want to upset them because these are my real friends. But at the same right. time, I'm like, this is my job. I have to promote this very much sexier take 
on a profession that's right. generally seen as violent and hardcore and, and all this kind of stuff. So right. it's weird. I feel like I'm treading water into this now. Like 10 years ago, nobody wanted to hear anything about wrestling romance, wrestling erotica, right. any of that. And now I'm getting asked to go to colleges and universities and libraries to do these talks on it. And I'm like, right. Yeah, it's almost like I don't know where to put my feet. I'm almost like scared because it's like I'm walking such a thin line of I want to be honest with the romance readers and the erotica mm -hmm. readers. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, wrestling's its own beast. I don't want to upset anyone. So, yeah. Um, and well, that's particularly what I found writing the books because I'm like, that's why I would sit with wrestlers and I would pick mm -hmm. their brains all the time. Because I can't put together a wrestling match because I've never been in the ring. So I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to, you know, make a foo-fa and put yeah. it up, you know. Yeah. So I used to sit with Joe and I'd be like, okay, I need a wrestling match for, you know, that has this, this, and this in it. Can I get away with it? And then he would write me a scene <laughs> and, and I would go in, I would use that. But he never wanted anything to do with the wrestling erotica. So like, he's like, I don't want my name on it. Just you, you take my scenes, do whatever you want with them. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, awesome. But I also get flack too, because, you know, one of the, the most famous scenes that I ever put in a book was, um, it, the book's no longer out anymore, but I, I am planning to relaunch it. It's called fighting for him. And this, this girl's just so attracted to this guy this wrestler mm -hmm. and she just doesn't really understand the rules and she keeps having these very steamy dreams about them and one of the scenes that i did was he's sort of like he's like just sitting in the ring almost and he's you know she she ends up sort of kind of handcuffing him to the ropes in the corner and you know she's trying to be all cute and sexy and she takes out a lollipop and she teases this guy with a lollipop and when my editor read it, she blew. She was like, this is the hottest thing I've ever read. What, where did you get this idea from? And I'm like, actually, I don't know. It just sort of happened. Yeah. yeah. But it's weird because there used to be two writers, myself and, and Laurie Carrington. Carrington, <laughs> not Mick Carrington like me, but Carrington. Right. And we were the only two that had ever really explored mixing very high intense romantic scenes with wrestling mm -hmm. and now that attitude's changing and mm -hmm. it's so so weird i mean i think our books could have been big back in the attitude era if yeah we had been if well if i had been of age to write it but also if i had known you know the right people and i think that's something else i've, I've learned is you need to know the right people to kind of get you do i go. think you do and you know i always say in my own situation, I was at the right place at the right time, but nothing just was dumped in my lap. I had to earn it. And once, you know, once I get, get past the first time I ever was asked to do this and publish, they published the book. Every time the second contract would come, you would think, well, can I do this? Can I do it again? And, and I'm, I'm still that way. And I've written, 54 novels. Yeah, it's 50, about 54, I think. And, you know, and each time, whatever's going on in the world, and this, this is from my publisher's 
viewpoint, and I don't necessarily always agree with it because I think some of it's stupid, but whatever's going on in the world, get a little bit of that in your story. And if you've got something that's way off the scale, they like that. They like that. Like, you know, I've never read any books with a a wrestler as a a character or anything. So I, you know, I think that somebody's got to be the first person to break the mold and go out and, you know, put it out there. And I think people were open to that. I just, I mean, especially when we look at the market now, sports romance has done so much mm -hmm. change to the romance industry. Yeah, and now we're seeing we're seeing an uptake in female viewers of wrestling because it's not just a case of oh well they're sitting with their boyfriends watching it or their husbands mm-hmm. watching it, but there's actually females that are going out and buying tickets and going and watching it, and it's not for girls fighting girls. There is a group yeah. of them that's going there to to Google the, well, yeah. know, Google the guys because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's 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 that time of weird social media where it's so much easier for the wrestlers to create a connection with the female audience now compared to Mm -hmm. what it was 15, 20 years ago. And I keep trying to remind my friends of that. I'm like, you can get a large readership or a large group of females to support you by just tweeting people. Like if you have Mm -hmm. conversations with other females, if you have flirty conversations with other females, you generate that. Oh, well he does it with her. Maybe he'll do it with me. And, you kind of feed off of that frenzy almost. And what I love about waking up his wife, and I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit about what the story is about is Anna is this really strong female character. She's very empowered. She's very driven. She gets pulled into wrestling by her dad who thinks he's protecting her from their drunk mom. And she ends up, just embroiled in wrestling. She grows up in wrestling with her brother. Her brother takes off and he marries the owner's daughter to another wrestling company. So she's left behind with her friends. And that being said, she ends up falling in love with this guy that she travels the roads with, that she's always gone with. For 11 months of the year, she's always gone. And she's always Mm -hmm. with him. And she kind of refuses to let herself fall in love with him because she doesn't want to be her mom and dad. She doesn't want to go down that road. Her dad dies in the ring. It's a very, very emotional kind of journey for her. But the flip side is her brother's super protective. He's super aggressive. He doesn't want her with anybody in wrestling. He's, you know, he likes to control everything. He's a total egomaniac. And so that's the kind of threat the whole way through. And, and, you kind of follow the story of will Adam and Anna finally get together? And if they do, right. what's that going to mean for their small group of friends? Mm-hmm. And I love that. I just absolutely adore that sort of story. And yeah, I thought no wrestler's going to understand this. And then I started to, to send it to some of my friends and they read it and they were like, no, this is a really good story because you're, you're showing a different side. To wrestling right that I seen before yeah but i'm still taking every other chance i have to loop in the romance group you know mm-hmm. all the romance readers in because it's that romance story that romance trope that everybody adores you mm-hmm. know you've got your emotional background you've got what drives the car you can tell all of these things mm-hmm. but you still have that power throughout 
So my my hope when this comes out as a film that it will right. it will have a positive impact on the industry, kind of like what we saw with Fifty Shades of Grey, because with Fifty Shades of Grey it opened that door that erotica was acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that this is going to show that there's other sports that will be classed as acceptable mm-hmm. other right. than football, basketball, and baseball. You know, it will, it yes. will allow, uh, you know, because uh, there is MMA love stories out there that's been bestsellers and everything. So why is MMA going to be so much more different to wrestling is kind of where was always yeah. my argument. And it still kind yeah. of is today. So I'm hoping this is going to break down some walls. So from your experience, because you've been in the business for 30 years, tell me, what do you think the the reaction's going to be from, you know, from both sides, from from the publishing and romance industry, in your opinion? Well, as I said, it, it evolves, It you know, with the times, just like anything else does. And I was always told from agents, editors, publishers, if you have a good story, that's what we want. We don't care if your hero is a wrestler. We don't care if your heroine is a waitress. If you have a good story, it'll sell itself. It'll yeah. sell itself. And I I had a, a, an example of one of the uh, novels I had written years and years and years ago. And um, I just had it sitting in a drawer. And my I had a writing group that we would meet and critique each other's work every couple of weeks or so. And, you know, I would come home with practically tears in my eyes thinking, God, I'm such a shitty writer. And uh I was the same. Was, I was the same because yeah. I was trying to do something that nobody'd ever done before and they kept telling me it was too niche and there was no market for it. So yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I, I get that well, better than anyone. I, you don't you don't want to be a part of of just one thing. I mean, I the the books I write, I know I write to a certain audience, but I know what I can and can't do and get away with. But this particular book that I wrote years and years ago, we, and had my uh, critique group go over it, they just you know this is awful. You need to do this, this, that. One of them was an English teacher. One was an elementary school teacher. I mean, they had good backgrounds and were pretty, what I thought at the time, well-versed in the business. A couple of them had published romance books. And, you know, several years later, that particular story became a number, I think it was number three on the New York Times bestseller list for like 12 weeks. And it was kind of like a you know, ha-ha or, or whatever, but you have to go with what you know you can do and what is in, you feel that you're comfortable writing. And in doing so, that comes off on the page to the, to the readers. Or it, it has been to me because I've gotten a lot of feedback on things. I, I wrote one book where a girl was raped and have yeah. heard from women where, you know, reading that helped me, uh, yeah, yeah. You just it, whether it's wrestling or I'm not going to go with the football, basketball stuff so much because I think that's been overdone. I mean, you it can have really a son playing yeah. high school uh, basketball, but your topic is not overdone. I don't know that it's been done. 
So I, I would say, go for it. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, now, no, yeah. When I, when I, yeah, like when I went to England, I was, uh, I never thought I was going to do wrestling romance. I never thought about it. And then I went down to England and I was, I was just writing a, a wrestling show. I went down there for that whole purpose and just talking with the boys, that four group of guys who were from the States who had been in some of the biggest wrestling companies in the world and talking to them. And I was like, well, this could be fun. And and they certainly gave me enough material in a one weekend I stunt. And I'm like, this could, this could be fun. And I, I started dipping my toe in and so many of the big publishers, like, I'm not even joking. I had agents, I had, um, big publishers tell me, you know, this is too niche. It won't work. It can't sell. We don't know how to sell this. And I was so surprised. I was like, okay, like even Mills and Boone said this was not something that would work. Oh, wow. So, uh. I, I went and I, I got an indie contract and I said, you know what, I'll do it myself then. And mm -hmm. I have been changing minds one at a time, very slowly, but for two, right. 10 years, like I've been pushing this sort of ball up the hill. And I think my husband thinks I'm crazy because I have just been pushing the same ball up the hill. But to <laughs> me though, now that waking has been, you know, optioned and it's, it's moving mm -hmm. forward. That to me was like the biggest oh my gosh moment you know because this oh, director yeah. read the the original script before it's been mm -hmm. doctored and you know worked on right and he said you really got something here and he didn't read the novel he didn't you know i had written the screen screenplay myself which is so different if you're an author you know this going from oh yeah writing, i know how to write a screenplay yeah, a book I know what to to writing a screenplay is like night and day it's totally different totally well, different yeah. rules the whole works um mm -hmm. and as my script doctor reminds me i am terrible for waffling in places which you know we do as well, authors um but it's been i just hope it makes other people who appreciate wrestling and appreciate romance not feel like their stuff only belongs on fan boards because there's whole right, sites right. that is literally thousands of fan only sites. And on these sites, there's like, it's like the old um, forums that you used to get. Remember those days where you would go on the forums and it would be like yes. Reddit and stuff? There's yes, forums yes. that's just set up wow. for people to share wrestling stories or wrestling fantasy mm -hmm. stories. And I think... Yeah that was another thing that made me think, well, there is, you know, if I can tap into that little group of people, that's the place that I need to go to get this, this, this movie. And I have been slowly getting some of the readers on the boards to check out stuff. But mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. And that's the thing. Like I didn't just decide I'm going to do wrestling romance. I decided I'm going to take two dancers who me, and then I created working with Joe. I took an original story of two dancers who get involved in, in the creative industry and, and end up in this mess of just fame and all the, you know, all the seven sins that comes with being in this industry. Um, and we right. created a series, a 64 book series. 
Jeez. With the idea of it being a family-driven drama that's centered around two girls who make their name as dancers, and then they end up in this world of, you know, their dad was a professional wrestler and had lied to them their entire lives, and now, guess what? One of them's married to a wrestling owner, you know, a company owner, and how this is all playing out, and how, you know, the guy that originally married this this young twin... He was doing it to get back at his old friend. He was marrying his friend's daughter because he wanted to get back at him. <laughs> like, so it was a very kind of, we created a spider web idea. And mm-hmm. That was the first time I really worked with a wrestler. And, and Joe's fantastic because he will sit for hours. And I mean hours with me. Really? And we will go through very detailed, like, you know, this is my scene issue. Can you help me get to this bit over here? Because I've written myself in a corner. Or he'll read something and he'll pull me back and say, you've come way too far, rein it in, and let's go again. So I'm pushing the boundaries in every way I can at the moment. Well, you're lucky, number one, that you have a professional at your side that can, you know, you you don't have to Google it, basically. Because that's what a, a lot of us do is Google all of our research. If I can, and more often... Than not, I can't. I like to have a trip planned to the place I'm going to write about. And, you know, I get pamphlets, take pictures, just do whatever I can to keep that place in my mind. And yeah, of course. sometimes just Google isn't enough. You need to go there. And it's kind of, I would equate that with you having a professional at your side. And yeah. it's, you know, you're lucky. <laughs> I, I mean, I felt when I, when I first started working with Joe, I thought this is either going to go really, really well or this is going to go really bad. And I just had come back from a wrestling weekend that hadn't gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, my best friend had the best time of her life, but professionally, I didn't feel like it was a great weekend because the company that oh, I write for them went under the day after I got back. And I was like, oh, oh okay. And so I was like, well, maybe I, you know, because I was looking to, to find my wrestling home. And I think that's one thing mm-hmm. that I can openly admit is I never felt like I belonged anywhere. Not in dance, not in, in, not in sort of horse riding or anything I did. Even in acting, I didn't feel like I really fit. And then mm-hmm. I started talking with wrestlers and then I felt, like I slowly was starting to sort of click in with them in a weird sort of yeah. way. And Joe, Joe and me it, were like, as if we've been friends for over 20 years. Like you hear us talk, oh, okay. we just finish each other's sentences. We, he knows exactly where I'm going to go before I go there. Um, <laughs> and I went out to California because I wanted to figure out where I was going to put these twin sisters for their American side. Mm-hmm. Because I set most of it in the town that I actually kicked my dance career off of in Aberdeen. Oh, wow. So I, Oh, okay. And then I went out to LA and we spent, I think it was close to a week in LA and I took so many pictures and I visited Mm -hmm. places and I have friends that still live there. So they send me Mm -hmm. news reports and videos all the time. Oh, wow. You're lucky again. Yeah. And, and because I'd made those friendships, I was like, Mm -hmm thank goodness I have because it just really concreted. That's why I don't Google 
if I'm, mm-hmm. you know, even when I wrote my crime novel, which is is due out in a couple of years, I went and I got a hold of the one of the former detectives of the show, the first forty eight hours. Oh yeah, you know. And I went yeah, and I got a hold of him, and I'm like, I need you to read this and come back to me and tell me what you think. And I think I drove the poor man insane because I sent him so many different, well, is this the right procedure? And would you do this? And would you do that? And is this too gruesome? Is this, do you, th- mm-hmm. do you feel this is too off-putting? And he was really able to give me a kind of mm-hmm. whole new look at it. And I said it in the Shetlands, which, right. you know, at the time nobody was writing in Shetland. And now obviously Anne Cleves is one mm-hmm. of the most famous writers coming out of there. Um, yeah. And that was, that was like what I learned. Research was like, hugely important and it's something i rely on a lot because i don't Mm -hmm. think you can really do anything justice unless you know what you're talking about and you really kind of oh right yeah exactly yeah yeah absolutely and that's why i love uh, yours because that's exactly what you do you have that passion that comes through from every single word well maybe in my non-fiction writing uh, if i if i had to be honest, I would say my heart is more with the true crime than it is with my other half that does the fiction. But um, I always wanted to know what made a person do this. Uh, Like in Fatal Kiss, that was such a, a story that I was on tons of television shows here, you know, in the United States. We did all kinds of shows based on that book because it was just, it was a story where a woman had killed one husband and hired a guy to kill her other husband. I think it was the fourth husband and the four-year-old stepchild. Yeah, it was awesome. So it was, it was kind of, and I interviewed everybody, the prosecutors, the district attorney, the cops, the family members of the that were involved with the crime and and you, you and it took me about a year I think to get all of the stuff together to write the book because it's at the time St. Martin's Press wanted the book yeah. and uh, I was in under contract with my other work that had to be in on such and such a date so I wound up putting them off to the side for a while and when the time came for me to send the manuscript to St. Martin's, they had kind of gone off of the idea. So I invested a lot of my money and had it published myself. I mean, I didn't, you know, go on Amazon or however you self-publish a book now. I don't even know how, but I went to a publishing company and had them, you know, spit out a few copies and it was a, a bestseller on Amazon. So, it's um that's where my heart is when when it comes to writing because that's that's facts that's right there and in this book fatal kiss i was lucky to have met ann rule before she died and she gave me some tips on what to do when you're writing a a true crime book so i i was lucky i uh, i sold all the books and got a lot of uh play and still do get a lot of and that was I think it was in 2003 that I wrote that book so it's 20 years it still has a life so that's where my heart is now ghost writing is 
it's fun in the sense that in my case, I can kind of do what I want, but I know what my limits are as far as you can, you can't say prick or dick, you know, but you can say the F word. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the rules we have is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it is. It's stupid. And I'm not saying that the F word isn't in the books because it is. But, you know, when you change editors and, you know, some are one way and some are another way. I always get, you're too crass. I always get that from my steamy seeds. They'll say, oh, it's incredible, but you're too crass. And I'm like, who's thinking about poetic language at a time like that? Mm -hmm. You know, you want it realistic, don't you? And then they're like, no, 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 we want it flowery and I end up banging well, my no, that's yeah. yeah, yeah, that's and that's you know when when in the ghostwriting business, you know, you obviously you're working for that person that you're writing for, and you want to meet their requirements and you know their audience that they've worked their butts off to gain and yeah. you know have a, a good name in the in the business, but you know there there's just sometimes when. <laughs> I come in in the story and it's like, I'll send it in. You're too dark, Suzanne. It's too dark. Take that out. You're not writing a, a true crime book here. Yeah, and, I, I, I get that. And I, get I that find as myself well, yeah. doing that sometimes. Yeah, it's like a little rough, rough, dark around the edges. You need to soften it a little bit. And, you know, I'm like, I may have a bit of a reputation for being. Persistent, a bitch. Uh, I don't know, but it, no, we we need to do it this way. It'll work. Blah 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 blah. And I'm not right all the time, but most of the time, I I get the job done, and it does well in the in the market. But there's times it's like, why? Yeah, exactly. Like I've I've had that conversation with editors where they're like, "You can't, you can't pull this off." And I'm like, I know this is going to work, so leave it in. And I normally have to really, 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 really fight to keep stuff, stuff in sometimes. And mm-hmm. you, like the, I just got told that one of my books has gotten completely re-edited and I'm going to have to read it and actually make sure it's still the story I was telling because according to them, there was right. holes and it didn't make complete sense. Um, but I have a feeling when I go into it, it's... It, I'm going to have to go back and say, no, I want that back in and I want this back in because it right. ties in with the series and I'm creating mm-hmm. a series, not just a one-off book. Um, right. You know, and I, and I think for me, I get told that I'm stubborn, I'm egotistical, I'm aggressive. I mean, these are bad traits in their opinion of me, but I fight for my characters. I fight for the mm-hmm. work that I am physically creating because nobody else is going to fight for us. Right. And that's what I always say to people, you know, fight for your characters, fight for your story because nobody else is going to say that to you. And it's you at the end of the day that has to look that, that reader in the eye mm-hmm. and, and, you know, answer the questions. Like if, if something's right. not making sense, either get rid of it, rewrite it, you know, think of the person that's reading it because they're not living in your head. They're not living with you. They don't, they can't ask you a bunch well, of questions. And that's it. They, they, and I tell my husband that a lot, you know, he, I had written, I think it was a novella for one of the holidays. I don't know if it was Christmas, Mother's Day, whatever, but 
he never reads and he was reading that and he said you just ended it too too quickly yeah so the next morning i went over it again went over the ending and i'm like you know he's right and i i redid the ending had him read it again and then i went ahead and submitted it but you know i think sometimes for me when you get to that last 50 pages or however you write we go by word count you yeah, want to get you're done yeah we're finished we're we're done we want to move on to the next story but you know i'm guilty of of, of being real pushy with that no it needs to stay that way because yeah. but when someone especially someone who i know isn't going to you know lie to me my husband is if he says if, and he doesn't read much if he says if something's lacking then i'll listen to him because yeah. he's you know he's not going to butter me up just because that's the you one know, thing I, I, I can say about working with joe is if i turn to him and say i don't know if this ending works he will go and he will he'll read the ending and then he asks me to come on the phone and i'll run down the story up to the to the point he's read to and he he'll say to me yeah you're right it doesn't work or if you change just this little bit here, that'll fix it. Like he doesn't, mm-hmm. he's really good at not sugarcoating stuff for me. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's made my transition to writing scripts and working with somebody that's usually, I, and I don't, this isn't me treating my own, but most of the time I'm in a room with editors and I've had my literacy agent tell me to dumb myself down a bit because it upsets the editors if you appear smarter than them, right? <laughs> so, and I do, right? And it, it, you know, because in this industry, you know that with editors, sometimes you have to dumb yourself down a bit so that the conversation goes and a bit so better. It's so weird that you say that. Yeah. Dumb yourself down because I should get my husband to come in here and he'd swear on it. When I go to work in my office, I will, I'll say, walking in the door and saying, well, I got to go dumb down for a while and write, yep. you know, this story. And, you know, he, we laugh and, and I do call it dumb but, down. But that because, is what we do with a lot of these editors. So I'm yeah. used to be one of the smarter people in the room who has to play dumb <laughs> to get what she needs done. Yeah. And then working with this script writer uh, or the script doctor, he's actually a hundred times smarter than I am. So it's almost like the intimidation level goes up a one for me anyway, because then I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, so I'm not, the first thing he did was he told me not to play dumb with him, which I I really appreciate. And then, uh, you know, we kind of went from there, but it it was just that it was like such a breath of fresh air to have him say, Mm -hmm. you can be as smart as you want with me, or you can be, but just don't act dumb. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. I had explained to yeah. him, like, you know, going, I'd only done it for a wrestling show before, or at least I'd only ever admitted to doing it for a wrestling show. So I'd gone to the wrestling show and the promoter had said, look, you can't appear overly intelligent because you're going to put the wrestlers off. So I had dumbed myself down and I, I regretted it from the day that I did it, but I thought that I was doing the right thing because the guy paying me had asked me to do it. And of course, mm-hmm. my, my friend took me aside. He goes, no, you should never have done that. Never, ever should have done that. <laughs> of course, I, I learned from that moment on. But I laughed well, because when I, 
I I learned because I learned to do that at that wrestling show. I did it in <laughs> meetings with editors ever since, and now I'm getting to that age point where I'm like, ah, I can't be bothered to play these politic games. Ah, I can't be bothered to make myself right. appear thick. I'm just going to be me, and mm-hmm. that's where these sort of bad traits are now following me because they're like, oh, she's bitchy, she's stubborn, she thinks she knows it all. I don't mm-hmm. know it all. I know I don't bloody no. know it all. But I know my yeah, story, I... I know how my characters think, and I am going to defend, you know, my mm-hmm. decisions. Right. Well, I think with work, the the ghostwriting business, I think you have to kind of have a give and take yeah. with the editors because they know what who you're representing. And if they say this is... We don't need this. Cut this, chop this yeah. out. It's to me. I would probably feel a lot differently if, if my name were on that book. But it's like if that's what makes you happy, then I'll do it, and I'll come in, and I'm a fast writer. I'll redo this, that, or the other. Yep. And I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't. I don't have to do that a lot. But as I said, if my name were on the book, I would probably be a little more aggressive in that area as far as cutting and I I do have a little more say over the covers of the books now because they were so dumb that's that's the thing that's bothering me now is that's all changed so I don't Mm -hmm. have any say over the book covers I almost have to accept Mm -hmm. what I'm given and yeah that bothers me because a lot of the time it doesn't look right or I think it's too cluttered or I think you know there's a hundred different ways that they could go with it and it maybe not my vision for it but I have I've now learned to go yeah that's great and do you, you know do the big smile mm-hmm. but right. inside I'm thinking oh my god this is awful but yeah that's just I, part you know, of the business it, now where you know you have to know what pills to tie on and what one's not not so well you do on. and I think as a reader and a writer when you go into a bookstore and you this is my experience, and I have, have have owned a bookstore. People look at the covers first. Yes. I mean, obviously, you know an author, you like them, you're going to zone right in on their work. But I always looked at the covers before I purchased a book. Then I would read the, you know, inside the jacket, and yay, it's good. No, it's not. But to me, that was a big drawing point, and it got to the point with some of the books, I said, you need something different other than flowers and a porch on these books. They need to show something that's inside that story. And the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 books, I would say, they've been good about that, about, you know, the art department, you give them a little bit of a blurb or whatever and an idea, and they've been pretty good about working that out with their department but it's just you know it's it's a it's a process it is a process and it's you get asked well how do you do that how do you write a book well i don't know just Just sit down down and and do it and like yeah yeah you know that's that's all the advice i could give anyone and i have a lot of people ask me that all what do you where do you get your ideas from i you know and i think I was a born writer. I've been writing since I was six. It's just that my makeup. That's 
now that's how I, I started reading when I was three and I read um, Little Women. I had no clue what it meant or anything, but I sounded out the words phonetically, yeah. read the whole book. And of course, later when I was older and could understand it, I read the book, but I was taught by my grandmother, I called her Mimi, to read from the Bible. And I was just so interested in the reading process itself that it never left me. So, and I was story, I used to make up ghost stories to my sister and try, she was older than me, try to scare her. And just, I think it's just the summation of who you are, your ability. Obviously anybody can learn grammar and structure and, and you know, what, Unless what you're we require to, yeah. <laughs> well, just that's hell. true. That, well, that's it. And I sometimes think that I am because I'll reread a sentence. And I think, damn, that's backwards. Let me switch it. I didn't I write do. it out I the write right backwards way, but, as well, or I write really clunky and I can't see it. And then somebody points it yeah. out, and then I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's clunky. What was I thinking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you you need another set of eyes sometimes because you know in your head what that should. And you auto-correct it in your head as well, which people don't realize when you're writing, you mm-hmm. auto-correct because mm-hmm. we are, oh yeah, we're playing the film in our heads, but our hands are writing down mm-hmm. what we're seeing. And of course you do miss well, that. stuff with that, you know, um, mm-hmm. because you get so yeah, close I, to it. Well, you do. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, I don't know, maybe an artist that draws or something that paints. Yeah. They know if it's a painting that, see, I saw the Mona Lisa one time at the Louvre in Paris. Yeah. And I was just so unimpressed, <laughs> you know, years and years. Oh, this painting, this, that. Yep. Monet, I was impressed with. The Mona Lisa, no. No, I was So it's, it's just what's, what's in their head. And it's, you know, what I like and think is good. Maybe somebody else won't, but... After years and years of doing this, you you know your market, you know what you can do, and you also know what you can't do, but sometimes you do have to step over the line and be a little bit insistent, no, this needs to be here because it it just has to be here, and read the whole damn book, you know, read the whole thing. And then tell don't, me don't you hate it though when an editor starts emailing you and you know they're only ten pages in and you're like, you didn't read the whole thing, did you? No. Mm-hmm. Go read oh, yeah. the whole thing, yeah. then email me. You know, like I always have thought or, of just ah, or rewrite chapters in the middle of the novel. Like we need you to do fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen over. Oh, yeah. okay, well then that changes the rest of the book and I had to do that once in like two weeks so it was like I don't like to do this but if you think it makes it a better book then you know you pay me very well I will do that yeah but it's it's aggravating you know it's aggravating but you know your my own personal writing is so different than my other my good the type of people I do ghost writing for. Yeah. So it's I, you I know it's feel just like ghostwriters have the worst jobs in, in, in our industry because you've got to almost mm-hmm. look at the writer you're writing for, match their mm-hmm. voice, match their style. And it's almost like oh, yeah. trying to 
figure out, well, how would they see this and see the mm -hmm. story at the same time? And that's why I have a huge respect for ghostwriters, because I know mm -hmm. that that's not easy to do. And, well, you know, it's not. You have to learn their voice yeah. and write like they do to a degree and not let yourself intrude, yeah. you know, and I've done that many times in novels that I'm writing. I get on that little dark murder side mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, that's not really the story, but I know they're going to chop this out. And that's me, the author intrusion thing coming in. It's the Suzanne intrusion coming in. But we all do but, that. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody I think, does. Yes, I think every, everybody does. And it's like, you you know, you're, you're like you said, the keyboard is the camera to the words on the page and yeah. I uh, don't always get it right. You know, I'll go over and read something and reread it and I'll ponder it. And I'm like, eh, that's kind of, ugh, I don't like that. And I'll just delete the whole thing, yeah. write it again, delete it, write it again. And you know, when to stop, you know, when you've got it right. And I don't always have it right. The first shot out. Now see that that's where I'm going to disagree with you because I used to think I had it right. I used to th trust that I had it right in myself. And now I found out that I have a tendency to fiddle with it more than I should. <laughs> because somebody yeah. pulled me up for it the other day and they're like, stop fiddling with it. And I'm like, yeah. you know, but there is that kind of bit inside of you that's striving constant perfection and you're never going to get mm -hmm. it, but you still have yeah. that thing inside of you that says, well, you could do this a little bit better or you right. could squeeze one more character in here, you know? And it, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really bad for that. And I, I'm having to sort of relearn to step back and go hands off the keyboard, leave it alone. You're writing yeah, too much, I, I, you know? Yeah, you, you, you can just write, write, and overwrite to the point that you've lost your your subject. Yes. And and I've done that before, and I'm like going back to what I had. Sometimes, and it's maybe more often than not. Whoops, what did I just do here? Oh, you're okay. Just you're still with us. Oh, I, I okay. There's something just came. I'm, I'm talking to you on my cell phone. Yeah. Uh, my computer's right here, and I just couldn't get it to to go to your length, but you know, most of the time, I would guess in the last 15 years, my books are good on the first run. I mean, yeah. there's a little editing, obviously I do that, and then have a, a reader that goes through and does, you know, the professional edit if it needs it, but I haven't really had to do a lot of rewrites in the last few yeah. years for them. I have for myself just because before I turn it in, I, I like, that's not, I don't like that. And Even, I, I also you know, my for, name's not for us as, as writers, like particularly if you're handing something in and you know, your name's going to be on it. Do you not feel like mm -hmm. there's just that little bit more pressure to make it that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Level? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can't, you know, it's it's like horror to go online and read a review or something, and it's like I don't read them oh God. anymore. I don't. I, no, I you know, myself. Honestly, yeah. I don't care what the reviews are. I don't care. I I it used to bother me, and I'd look and read them wherever Publishers Weekly, Book yeah. List, you know, the Amazon. 
I don't care no. because I know the books and the market that I write for, and I know 99% of the time the books are on the New York Times bestseller list. And if they're not, then so be it. Yeah. That just didn't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, just, I've I'm, it's my job. Like I had to, yeah. to learn it because when I, I released um, a book I was really passionate about and you know, there was people that had put up reviews that said did not finish, but never said why, or they went back and they would put in these details. And I had to say to myself, why am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because yeah, they it's... don't know this. They're just a normal person who's picked it up because it's been a free mm-hmm. whatever review. They haven't mm-hmm. liked it because they don't know who I am. And they're slating it for that reason, that reason only. But I had to learn that because yeah, there's nobody that sits there and mentors you through it. And that's what I love about this podcast mm-hmm. is we are mentoring all these new writers who are coming in behind us. And we're saying, uh-huh. don't read reviews, you know, because if you react to the review, you're killing your career before you start. And you right. know, you're also teaching them that there's, if one style doesn't work for you, there's other areas you can try if you really are passionate about writing, but be aware of the hours you have to put in, the sacrifices you've got to make, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, there is hardships to it, whether, you know, we like mm-hmm. admitting it or not. Because if you, when I go on the road, bless my husband, he drives because I can't drive. So he'll drive me and he will hear in minute detail, I will read that book to him. Because I have to practice <laughs> reading aloud with my dyslexia mm-hmm. before I do a reading mm-hmm. at any signing. And mm-hmm. so he ends up knowing the books better than the readers do. <laughs> so I always feel oh, for gosh. him because I'll say to him, right, you're my sounding board because I can't work mm-hmm. with Joe because I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me let me bounce off you. And I, I feel so bad because he'll say, can, we, can you write any other subject? <sighs> Because he does, he'll get frustrated with <laughs> me, you know. But that, yeah, well, you know. But I love, I, I love that being on the He doesn't, so there's also oh, really? that kind of understanding of. I like the travel. Yeah. I like to be on the road. I like to go see all these new places. I'm, I, mm-hmm. I am one of these incessant talkers outside of writing and outside of the house. Mm-hmm. I love to sit and just talk to people. That also drives right. me crazy because I will start a conversation with a stranger in the lift. Um, but saying that I've gotten some hell of a great material over the years by doing that. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not bashful at all. I never have been. And, you know, I've been up against some big, big names before and just, you know, shoot the breeze with them only for them to, you know, come back later and we're, you know, good friends, you know, because I don't put on airs. I am what I am. This is me. If you don't like it, then I'm sorry. But I, I, would, I don't want to be mean to people. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I know what that's like. Yeah. Um, in reviews, for instance, you know, if I, and I rarely will write one because honestly, I don't have time. I'll just click on the five stars if it's Worth good it, and yeah. be done with it. But I, I have thick skin. You have to have yes, thick skin. Do. And I do. I, and I earned it through my life we I had a baby when I was 16 yeah and that baby is 47 now yeah 
she's all grown up and married and she doesn't have children, but you know, I, I went through kind of the school of hard knocks yep. to get where I am at today. And I didn't really have any experience as far as how to go about this. I just started doing it. Yeah. And as I said, I've been writing since I was six. And I think as a writer, people, they look, sometimes look at me kind of like you're crazy. Well, I'm I am crazy. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how do you make that stuff up? Or they think that if you've got a whacked out character in your, in your story, it's come from you. Well, are you that way? Yep. Well, no, I made that up. That's I'm not that I'm not a killer or I'm not a yeah. sociopathic rapist or whatever. No, but, but they look at you, you as if you are. are. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, and I'm like, you know, I just make this stuff up and then, well, how do you, where do you get your information from? And obviously research, but Reading, I, you know, I don't go out and let yeah. someone rape me or anything. Yeah. And yeah. I like just, you get a lot of people that don't get that. You're just kind of made that way. Yeah. It's your way that you express yourself and, I'll hold, and my, you know I will, I'll hold up my hands because when a friend of mine found out, now they call it smut, okay? Oh, yeah, smut. Of course, I we all know what that, that means, but that's not the uh, right. correct terminology in, in, in our industry, but that's what they called it. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they found out that I had done this excessively hot, steamy, and in their opinion, very ridiculous storyline. Mm-hmm. And they came to me and they said, is this your fantasies that you're playing out? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't look at a ring and think, ooh, I could do this or that or whatever. I respect <laughs> what you do in the ring, but it doesn't mean that these thoughts don't exist in females' heads. Like, And I had to sit and right. explain that. But in, in his mind, I must be this very, you know... I must have a huge sexual appetite because I was writing this stuff. And it took that person so long to get comfortable with me because they couldn't, like, they couldn't see by the character and the persona that I put Mm -hmm. on when I do the Mm -hmm. erotica stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a badge of honor I should have that it was that (laughs) believable to them. Yeah. That they looked at it and went, okay. Or if I should well, take I would it say, way, yeah. you, know? you did your job well, I would say. You know, if yeah. it if it has any effect on a person, they remember it. Maybe they think you're writing from experience. And who who cares? Yeah. It's your writing, you know, and, exactly. and I I just I don't get too freaked out over over any of it too much. I just do my job and yeah, you know, and, and they I forget it's a job for us. Like that's the other thing. It is. Yeah. You know, I I have to. It is a job. Yeah. yeah, it's a job. You know, I go, I get up in the morning, I go through my emails, and then I think, okay, what's my job today? Like, what am I writing right. today? What am I planning today? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know for, I know from being a physical performer, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like you go, you act a role and then you go home. And when you close the door at night, that's the right. end. But for writers, yeah. we can't close the door because a lot of these stories, they follow us into our dreams. They follow us into dinner. They follow us on well, date yeah. nights. 
you're you're always working. you know yeah you're always, you're always working, working even when you're on vacation mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. I'm and, the same and they way can't, just... they can't understand how I can't turn it off and I'm like well that's just not how my brain works like I work well mine doesn't either I, I mean you, you could look at at my mouse pad or whatever here and or yeah. you know got weird drawings on it <laughs> you know and yeah. I could write something about that if I wanted to. It's just yeah. what you do. It's, you know, like a painter, a carpenter. That's what they do. We put words onto paper and people read them. And some are successful, some aren't. It's a trial and error type of thing. And my best advice is just if anybody's interested in writing, ghost writing, Start with writing before you yeah. start the ghost writing because you need a little bit of experience to get the ghost writing job. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's my advice in that area. But once you do, you know, if you get that first job for whether it's a fiction, nonfiction, a magazine article, it doesn't matter. Do it to their, you know, their zone that they're in or whatever. But. I have been very lucky. I've I've been lucky enough to kind of write the books that I I, I think her audience or their audience likes, yeah. and they've been so far they've been successful. And I've got a deadline. I've got a book due next month, and it's like uh, I'm halfway finished with it. But yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. kind of I'm staring down the barrel and thinking. You know, I not only have the script to finish, but I've got a book that Ooh. I've got to finish. And I now that because of all the changes that's happened in the script, it's going to change the rest of my series. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, that whole second book I'm halfway through is just useless now. I need to throw it out and I need to redo this whole yeah. thing again. And, um, you know, I think I think people don't realize that quite quite as well as oh no I don't I don't think so I don't think so either and it's like oh well you can go in there and cut and paste a few paragraphs here and there but no you You you, don't sometimes you just have to yeah and in your case because it's a movie um we had a book turned into a movie for that dumb hallmark channel not dumb hallmark let me retract that for the hallmark channel that a lot of people love and they can butcher a story. Let's just say that Ooh, to make it can. so yeah, yeah, bubble gummy. Yeah, and you know it's just too. They're too predictable. They're cutesy. Yeah. But if I'm going to watch TV, I'm not going to watch that unless I. I laugh yeah, because there is an incredible author I know personally. Her name is Terry, and. Terry's, you know, she does a lot of these sort of prince and royalty kind of stories, and her mm-hmm. stories have steam in them because they're part of the Mills mm-hmm. and Boone line, so there's steam in them. Right, right. But you watch them at Hallmark, right. and I'm like, well, they just cut a quarter of that book out. They chopped you know, it like, apart. Like this is not going to make a sense to anyone that's not read mm-hmm. her stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just sit there and I go, oh, and that's why I stopped. I stopped watching it. Right. But I'll tell you. Yeah, it's. I'll t- they're too too cutesy. Yeah, but I'll tell you, there is a series of films coming out now that I think are incredible. There was um, 
beautiful disaster which is out on Amazon Prime. And that was actually Yeah, that was off of a book, a fighter book that came out mm-hmm. many moons ago. And the oh. the writer is incredible. And I was so relieved that she stayed on as a consultant because she kept it as close to that novel as she could. And it really, Good. really worked. Yeah. And the, the other the the franchise that I've been watching is the after franchise. And that is a series of, of films between the mm-hmm. leading male and the heroine, but they never get you never quite get the happy ending. There's always something that pulls them apart. Yeah, the end. right. And it, they've done five of these. And I mean, mm-hmm. to, to think that these are okay, they're not huge budget films, but they're big mm-hmm. enough that they've had five of them. And and that's kind of what well, yeah. we're looking to do yeah. with Waking is is having sort of between six and eight in our little franchise that will tie all these mm-hmm. characters together and create the world that, that we want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. so happy to see that there is these rom-coms that are, well, they're not rom-coms, but these romance films that are coming out that have mm-hmm. that, those threaded cables, those, those, those wires that make it strong and make it incredible. Right. Yeah. That make it the, you know, the glue that kind of holds it together. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, they're they're fine. I don't mind reading one because, you know, a lot of them, the story isn't the romance, but it's part of the story. Yeah. And and I think every story has a romance of some type well, in yeah. it. I mean, Maybe romance is in everything little... nowadays. You know, well, it is, and I mean, you know, you have a relationship whether you're in a. a World War Two, you're in a camp, and you know there's always relationships there. Yeah, and the, the background is not ideal, but most things that you read, there is that in there. Now they might not go into the the sexual side of the relationship, just the emotional side, and course, yeah. and it fits that story. But oops, crazy battery's about to go dead here. No but it's um, you know, it's just part of of life you know and you put you want your books unless you're writing a fantasy novel to be realistic somewhat realistic yeah and that you know i mean you're married i'm married do you have kids i i've got my two kids are grown and you know and you know but you could i find now with the books that i'm um writing i'm learning new things of this age now i I don't write you know things that are that i personally don't agree with i mean there's all that politics and crap nowadays and you know and and, you know i did have one agent tell me suzanne you need to write and be inclusive and i'm like well i do but you know i'm not going to write inclusive just for you I yeah. will if it's in yeah, the story. Of course, I will. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I yeah, I'm not going to make it about about a race or a gender. I mean, that could be part of the story, but not the story. You know, I mean, that's that that there's a, a market for those stories too. Yeah. There is, and I don't have anything against it because you know there's people out there that read. That's their life. They, they want to read a book about it, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. I, don't, I have no problem with that at all. Yeah. But 
in the work that I'm doing, it just wouldn't fit. Yeah. It just wouldn't fit. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't do that in, in well, these books. I have a feeling that once our film uh, takes off, that you'll be dipping your own toe into the wrestling romance world, I'm sure. <laughs> well, after speaking with you, I'm, I'm going to look forward to it. Exactly. And the great thing is, you well, know, you can give me a phone and I'll hook you up with some wrestlers and uh, they'll, they'll get your, okay. they'll get your accuracy going. <laughs> there you go. They hey, love talking. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic yeah. thing. Um, but no, yeah. you survived the book and life podcast. I'm so honored that you've come on today and that you've been able to share kind of the ghostwriting experience. And then obviously what you think of, of things that are changing everything because everything is changing now. You know, publishing's just become a runaway train again, which we all needed because during the pandemic it died right. for for the longest time. So yeah. now it is a runaway train again. I think we're all jumping on as quickly as we can. Um, but mm-hmm. no, it's been fantastic to have you, and I I really look forward to having you back. Well, thank you. It was a privilege to get to talk to you and get to know you, and I want to read your books well i definitely will arrange to have summer of him which is our more steamy experience into wrestling uh sent over to you by the publisher because I'm, I'm sure she'll enjoy hearing feedback oh, on yes that. i would love that yeah i would love that and in turn i can send you something oh i can look forward to that i need something to read All actually right. because it's weird on this podcast i normally get tons of books in for the podcast but I uh-huh. sometimes just like to like put those books aside and say, okay, well, that's just work reading. I want something to just mm-hmm. read to enjoy. Even though I have a library in my house, I still like to. Yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah, I think we all do. Yeah. We all do. Yes, absolutely. We all do. You have to stray off the beaten path sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely one of those jigs. But no, so next week, guys, we've got another hot guest coming on, and you're not going to want to miss out on them. So make sure you come back, stay safe, and have another great week.